Hollywood is rated LGBT Radio, starring your host, Rob Watson! Greetings and hello and welcome to this installment of Rated LGBT Radio. I am your host, Rob Watson, and as always, we have a really great show set up for you for today. Um, we actually have two shows in one. We have uh, we had so many hot topics going on that we we couldn't line just one up for each show. We had to have two. So today we're we're uh, going to be a little schizophrenic. Um, up first will be a show or a first segment. Uh, we are going to talk about Facebook and um, the question on whether it is a hellhole for trans people. Um, there is a new study out um, done by Media Matters, and they found some really shocking statistics about um, how right-wing, wing, right-winged propaganda um, gets through Facebook and um, has been shared and dealt with on a much higher level than anything from the left. So at the very least, they debunked the the cry from conservatives that somehow they are, are um, maligned or censored on Facebook. Um, and they are not. We have proof. Um, and we're going to talk about what what is causing these numbers, why they are so high and skewed in the way that they are. Um, and with us to talk about that will be Brennan Swin. Uh, he is the LGBTQ program director at Media Matters. Later in the show, um, we are going to talk L.A. theater, and we have the uh, prolific playwright Daniel Malkavor on. Uh, Daniel has two shows that have, are in production right now in Los Angeles, um, a play called The Soldier Dreams and another play called Never Swim Alone. Uh, those are being presented by Open Fist Theater, um, and uh, they are being presented at the Atwar Village Theater in L.A. So um, we're going to talk about those and hopefully uh, wet your whistle so that you will be dying to get in there and, and to see both those productions. Um, happy Veterans Day to those who served. And uh, with that, I want to bring on my uh, esteemed colleague and co-host, Brody Levesque. Brody, welcome to the show. Hey. Good afternoon. Um, it'll be good to talk to uh, Brennan Sun, uh, the uh, director of Media Matters. Uh, they are a media partner with the Los Angeles Blade. Uh, I'm incredibly grateful to Media Matters for America, especially, uh, you know, Brennan and his crew uh, and all the fine work they do uh, with the LGBT project. So um, that it, to me, I'm actually looking forward uh, uh, to talking to Brennan and, you know, a little bit more about that. Just real quickly, uh, I wanted to mention my colleagues at CNN did a poll with SSRS Finds. They released the polling yesterday. The polling found that roughly three-quarters of adults uh, believe Facebook is making American society worse. According to CNN, half of those polled indicated that they know someone who was, persuaded, uh, who was persuaded to believe in a conspiracy theory because of Facebook's content. 
The polling revealed that American adults queried said 76% to 11% that Facebook makes society worse, not better. And another 13% said it had no effect one way or the other. Now, this broadly negative appraisal holds across every gender, age, and racial line. Even frequent Facebook users, those who report using the site at least several times a week, say 70% to 14% that the social network harms rather than helps U.S. society. A great deal has to do with the algorithms and how the company manipulates them, which is what uh, Brennan Sohn and his crew at Media Matters do in terms of covering it for the LGBTQ community. And, of course, for the trans community in particular, which has been at the tip of the spear um, of the weaponized rhetoric of the right uh, since, you know, forever, but even more so in the last few years, uh, it even has more of an impact, particularly when we start talking about rates of trans kids that are killing themselves uh, and other harms that befall them as a direct result of these algorithms being twisted. Um, so I obviously I'm kind of focused in on that. And on that note, I'd also like to remind our listeners that next week is Transgender Day of Remembrance. It's a, this year, uh, according to statistics that were just released by the Human Rights Campaign, uh, 2021 has been one of the bloodiest years on record uh, for the trans community in terms of, you know, those that were murdered and, and, and killed. Uh, so we need to remember our trans siblings uh, as we, you know, move forward into next week. Uh, the Los Angeles Blade uh, will be running a series of articles next uh, where we talk about this very issue. And again, uh, we offer uh, our support. Happy Veterans Day to all of our vets, uh, particularly our LGBTQ vets, uh, several of whom here in California were able to attend the U.S. Navy's christening and launching of the United States Naval Ship Harvey Milk, a fleet-class oiler, which was launched last week uh, at the uh, Gasco Shipyards in San Diego. Uh, of course, the milk is named after slain civil rights activist and former San Francisco supervisor Harvey Milk. Um, the event was well attended by dignitaries, uh, and it's nice to see uh, Harvey's name on a ship, especially since he was a Navy veteran who was literally kicked out because he was gay. Uh, the class of oilers are known as the John Lewis class. Uh, they're named after um, someone that I was very well acquainted with, uh, Congressman, the late congressman from Georgia and civil rights icon John Lewis, uh, who always instructed those of us that knew him to go out and make good trouble. So I hope we all uh, are able to do that. The other ships in the class are named after John, of course, himself, Sojourner Truth, and other activists who've made a significant difference for civil rights. Uh, and I'm hat tip to the U.S. Navy for this class of support ships having uh, been given, you know, that distinction. Uh, and with that, that's it. Great. Thanks, Brody. Um, excellent, excellent uh, information there. So uh, now I want to bring on Brennan um, of Media Matters, and as I said, uh, he is the LGBTQ program director there. Uh, Brennan, welcome to the show, and uh, boy, great work on this study. It looks like a real intense uh, piece of work to go after all of this information. Thank you so much, and thanks for having me. Oh, our, our pleasure. 
So um, take us back. What what uh, preceded this that uh, got the ball rolling on the study in the first place? Yeah. So we're tracking Facebook um, and online right-wing media, among other things, basically every day. Um, and we have a tool that we use called CrowdTangle to look at what's really getting a lot of interactions and discussion on Facebook. And kind of every day when we're looking at the top posts, it's filled with Ben Shapiro, Daily Wire, Franklin Graham, really bad right-wing actors. Um, so we wanted to take a broad look at a year's worth of Facebook content. So we created um, some keywords, which are similar to the ones that we use to do our daily monitoring, and we identified um, tens of thousands of posts about trans issues specifically. So not broadly LGBTQ issues, but we really drilled down on trans issues. Um, what we found wasn't surprising, but it was definitely disturbing. We found that right-leaning Facebook pages, oh, and I, I should uh, clarify that we have a set of, uh, we basically identified all of the top uh, news and politics Facebook pages. So we're able to kind of code the share of voice by ideology. So we have them sorted into right-leaning, ideologically not aligned, uh, and left-leaning. And these would include news outlets, figures who may not even work at a news outlet but are regularly posting about, um, you know, news or politics issues, including politicians. So it's a pretty large data set of uh, more than 1,700 pages. And when we looked through that data set to see who is getting the most interactions, which are likes, comments, shares, and who is posting the most frequently, uh, right-leaning Facebook pages overwhelmingly were owning the conversation. So we found that about two-thirds of the interactions, um, 60 million interactions, were on posts by right-leaning pages. Um, so that's basically twice as much as left-leaning and ideologically non-aligned pages combined. So most of the information spreading on Facebook about trans issues is owned by right-wing pages um, and really right. distorting the conversation. So, Brendan, in, on these pages, because um, I've been on them myself and, and especially on Twitter, um, and, uh, for example, when, when Donald Trump was on Twitter and, uh, you know, I got notified of every Donald, Tw Donald Trump tweet, um, are the interactions all part of the, the, the group or are they balanced out by the people coming in to fight against them? Or is, was that There's not. The there's not a great way to identify that, um, you know, because someone could react angry to, um, and I think that would go on both sides. Like someone could be angry at a Biden post, for instance, acknowledging trans people. So we're not able to, you know, quantify that, you know, narrowly. Because right. um, again, we're looking at about 40,000 uh, posts, I, I believe. Um, and so, but this, but I think like, and, and, you know, this goes to show you that if you are trying to comment on um, things like that, sometimes it's better to take a screenshot and share it that way. Because when you do comment or engage with those bad articles, first of all, they're getting so much interaction from people who support 
that ideology that, you know, commenting on it won't really do much to, you know, it'll probably just get lost in the comments. Uh, but it's also helping boost this algorithm in Facebook um, and helping boost that content and spread it. And we know not just from this study, uh, but also from other studies we've done on immigration and on, you know, all sorts of topics, critical race theory, that the algorithm and also from the Facebook papers and the whistleblower testimony that Facebook really puts priority and its algorithm really puts uh, a preference on outrage and anger and, you know, right. content that is harmful. And we've, you know, put that, we put the data behind that. Facebook won't release its own data. So we got our own and, you know, particularly on trans issues, it's very stark and it's very obvious that the right, you know, anger is being really uh, benefited by Facebook's algorithm. Yeah, I think your point there was really, really important in terms of if you see that, take a screenshot and, you know, then present the screenshot in your argument rather than feeding into the algorithm. Because it, I think that that does play a, a huge part of it. Um, and, and I see this as something traditional. I, I know I have gone into a lot of these posts, and the only pro comment on the whole thing was the original one. And it is strong with left center people coming in and arguing and making points against it, et cetera, et cetera. But to your point, I think it, it, it does fuel Facebook. Um, being, having, publishing on Facebook uh, for quite a few years, I can tell you that, that it, that algorithm has both evolved and gotten worse in terms of capitalizing on outrage, as you said. And it, it, I guess part of my frustration is that it also in some way may speak to the personality of a liberal person versus a conservative person in that um, I know I have published things about trans people that have been very factual, very um, educational in terms of what the trans experience is and uh, everything about that. And quite frankly, its reach, when I published that out, has been crickets. And um, because I don't, I don't think, I think there's a little bit of apathy on the pro side, whereas on the counter side and the attack, they don't want facts. They're not interested in looking at one of my articles about it. They are interested in um, rubbing people up with hatred and then the people come in to fight it. And so pretty much you have drama, fight, all that, and it feeds the algorithm. Um, what, what do you see in terms of that philosophically uh, feeding those? Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of, you know, an age-old question when thinking about the right. I mean, it's like why Fox is the most watched news network. People really do get addicted to the sphere. Um, that said, I, and, and, you know, to your point, like 39 of the top 40 posts that we identified were by right-leaning pages. There was one post by Joe Biden. Um, anecdotally, I can say that kind of like posts by figures like Joe Biden um, or, you know, there's a few kind of viral pages like Occupy Democrats that do well. But you're right. It's like very rare for 
left-leaning or non-aligned um, content to do really well there. And it, when it is, it might be some big news, you know, like Biden, you know, overturns Trump's uh, trans-military ban, and it might be a CNN article that does well. That said, I think that Facebook has the tools to kind of turn down the temperature uh, on those right-wing pages. I mean, we know that Ben Shapiro just, like, outperforms, I think, almost everyone. Um, I, in fact, most people combined when he's posting content. Same with Franklin Graham. And it's up to Facebook to figure out a way that is not just allowing it to be a free tool for these anti-LGBTQ extremists to convince the public, you know, that trans people are a major threat. Um, because I think it's not also, it's not just, like, the fact that they're getting a lot of interactions. It's the fact that, like, they know that they can post about it and get a lot of engagement, which then in turn kind of makes the public think that this is a really, that some of these issues are really big. For instance, we looked at top, uh, we looked at the top 235 pages, uh, posts which were all the ones that earned more than 50,000 interactions. And 43% of them were about trans athletes. So we couldn't get data for all 40,000 because we had to manually code that. Um, but right. we, we can pretty much guess that trans athletes are the most popular you know, conversation. A lot of this is about state bills and things like that. If you look at what story most anti-trans athlete legislation, media coverage, um, is based off of most of it is about a high school race in Connecticut in 2019 um, in which there was like, you know, it was like a statewide race and two trans girls, you know, competed well in several races. That story really shouldn't have national implications. It's, you know, who's following high school sports in high school sports right. in Connecticut. But Facebook has basically become this free tool for the right to say, this is an important story. We're going to post about it. We're going to post about it a lot. And Facebook is going to help us get a lot of engagement. And then that, in turn, you know, gets the public riled up. And then what do we see? We see harmful legislation targeting kids, successful legislation that's passing in, you know, a bunch of states targeting kids' health care and targeting trans athletes. No, yeah, it's um, – I. It is frustrating, it's in, uh, in a, and it's um, horrible, and it speaks to, I think, even on a deeper level, the, the malaise, that, malaise we are experiencing in the country itself with people being so divided, and it can't be a coincidence that this algorithm on one of the main communication tools that a lot of people are engaged in is fueling the silos of, of um, putting people in like philosophies and revving them up. I mean, it, 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 it's a complete mirror of what we're experiencing day to day in real life. Um, any any oh, feedback yeah. on that? Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. You mentioned earlier that three out of four adults think that Facebook is making society worse and like count me as a strong one of those three. It's right. true. And the scary part is, is that Facebook is profiting from it. This is a profitable business model and it's a business model that they chose. Mark Zuckerberg chose engagement a few years ago. There's uh, some of the recent reporting about the Facebook papers came out and Mark Zuckerberg chose for like interactions to kind of be the North Star. And, you know, despite, 
you know, if you think back 10 years ago, I was using Facebook to share pictures and share updates about my family. But that wasn't as profitable as anger and division, which is what Facebook, like, yeah, which is what they prioritized. And, like, you you know, I I think the, the phrase that Facebook is choosing profits over people has been popularized over the last few months. I mean, it's something that we've known for a while, but I think it's even more apparent to the public that it's doing that. And when you look at these specific issues, uh, you know, they're prioritizing profits over immigrants. They're prioritizing profits over people of color. And now we have this data saying that they are prioritizing profits over trans kids. And I think we also have to contextualize it in some of the other research that came out about Facebook and particularly Instagram. Facebook is sitting on a trove of research saying that Instagram is just plain dangerous for, for young young people, particularly teen girls. It increases thoughts of isolation and suicidal thoughts and, um, and eating disorders. And, like, similarly, the people who are most at risk from this Facebook content um, and from the anti-trans discourse are trans kids who are already at risk of being marginalized. And imagine, you know, what right. happens when one of their parents might go on Facebook and their kids just come out of as trans and the majority of what is being fed to them is just this horrible content. It's dangerous. It's, it's not just legislatively dangerous, but on a very personal level, it could really be harming and even killing kids. Yeah, no, well, absolutely. I, let me, let me interject they, there because yeah. the Los Angeles plate has, in fact, been leading um, in, in queer media has been a leading source on these, on these trans stories with these kids. I have weekly conversations with Shannon Minter from the National Center for Lesbian Rights. Uh, I've talked to the trans kid activists on the ground, including uh, Landon Ritchie, uh, who is a college freshman at the University of Houston and was leading the fight in Austin, Texas, along with other trans kids uh, over uh, House Bill 25, which was the bill that uh, Abbott signed that took away the ability for trans kids to be able to participate in youth sports based on their gender identity. What we've discovered in the conversations I've been having with them and also uh, with the crew at the Trevor Project is we've seen a sharp rise, okay, and I mean extremely sharp rise in incidences of calls for assistance or suicide prevention to the Trevor Project hotline as a direct result of this very issue. And, you know, so I think, Brennan, for what you and your crew are doing, you know, I'm seeing it augmented by the statistical data and the news reporting that we're doing uh, of just how much harm this actually does. And I think the most important thing is that we continue uh, to cast a spotlight on this and, and that, you know, we continue to, you know, talk about this very issue. Uh, this week in Washington, Representative David uh, Cicilline of Rhode Island, who's actually been a guest on this show, I uh, introduced a piece of legislation that would require the social media companies uh, to offer accounts or abilities for people to sign up that would essentially be algorithm-free uh, to keep this sort of you know thing from happening. The problem with it that I saw immediately after reading legislation and, and, and talking to a few people is exactly what you pointed out, Brennan, and that is that Facebook's entire model has basically monetized hate and until we're able to break that apart and stop that from happening it will continue to do so 
looping back to what I've been told by Shannon and Landon and the folks on the ground in Texas, there have been documented incidences, okay, of kids who have taken their lives. So there is a direct, direct impact on this. Right. Absolutely. And, uh, Brent, and there's so many that yeah. we'll never even know because they weren't even able to come out because of how their parents may have projected them based off of things they were seeing on Fox or things on Facebook. You know, we can really only quantify what we know and what we know about trans kids is very going to be very limited if their parents are forcing them into the closet, if their schools and their government and their states are forcing them into the closet. So I'm sure right. that the problem is just so much bigger than we can even see. And what we see is already just devastating. Right. Plus uh, this is inspiring people to attack out trans people. I mean, it's like the anger um, a crucible that happens when they they're fired up within these silos um, is erupting into outward violence. Um, I do want to read uh, Brennan to um, the Politico um, had kind of a Facebook response um, to what you put together, and I'd like to uh, just read that to you really briefly and get your response to them. Um, Facebook says there's a reason why right-wing figures are driving more engagement. It's not the algorithm favors conservatives. The company has long maintained that its platform is neutral. Instead, the right is better at connecting with people on a visceral level, the company says. Right-wing populism is always more engaging, a Facebook executive said in a recent interview with Politico. Um, The person said the content speaks to, quote, an incredibly strong primitive emotion, unquote, by touching on such topics as, quote, nation, protection, the other, anger, fear. There, that was there in the 1930s. That's not invented by social media. You just see those reflexes mirrored in social media. They're not created by social media, the executive added. It's why the tabloids do better than the Financial Times. And it's also a human thing. People respond to engaging emotion much more than they do to, you know, dry coverage. That wasn't invented 15 years ago when Mark Zuckerberg started Facebook. What, what is your response to their response? Yeah, you know what? It might surprise you, but I think he's mostly right, and that is why Facebook needs to work to stop prioritizing this and to, in fact, tamp it down, because what he's doing and what Facebook is doing is – taking advantage of these primal instincts. And it's interesting that he would mention the 1930s because we know what happened in the 1930s. We had people, you know, go off their worst instincts. They got addicted to fear and we saw, you know, the Holocaust. And I think to the extent that Facebook is going to say, you know, oh, this is just a human nature. I mean, they're exacerbating this problem. They're incentivizing it and they are spreading it to people who might not have ever thought about it. And so I think that is just even more reason for them to engage. If you know, you know, that if, if you're talking to someone who has extreme thoughts, dangerous thoughts, and you're sitting there saying, yeah, that's right. I'm going to encourage you. You're complicit. You know, sometimes it's up to you to tamp it down because it's dangerous. You know, people were upset when they stormed the Capitol. And, you know, it, that doesn't mean that, like, oh, that's a valid emotion and it's a valid thing. We're, they're getting radicalized and they're getting worse. Right. 
And so I think, you know, I, yeah, sure, I agree with some of what he said, and that's just even more reason that they should be doing something because it, at, at a certain point they're responsible for it. I mean, I don't want us to look back at this time period like we look back at, at the Holocaust or at other time periods and say, you know, oh, well, people just said, oh, people are angry and they deserve to be angry. No, that's, 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 that's not something that a company should be just completely profiting off of and, you know, inciting in other ways. Yeah, excellent points. Real, super, super excellent. Um, the other thing uh, that occurred to me as you were you were talking about that is actually the analogy with tabloids, um, which is true. You know, tabloids have always been in the supermarket through the '60s and the '70s, and always outrageous, weird stuff from aliens landing on the planet to you know affairs of, of celebrities that never actually ever happened and all of that stuff. But the difference is the tabloids were never the level of mainstream that Facebook is. I mean, it's like it is, it, it may be taking a factor that has always been there, but it's flipping it to something yeah. that was mer- uh, marginalized to something that is now being used mainstream. And to and- your point, that's where political movements come out of, and that's where you know, fascism comes out of and, and all of that. But Yeah. And people are choosing to buy tabloids as well, and the audience is much more limited. There are, I mean, I, I don't know the exact stat, but like a billion people on Facebook, there's a lot, and they're not choosing to see this content ultimately. I mean, some of them are, but a lot of them are being fed it. And so, you know, I think the anecdote of a tabloid is not so great for them because a tabloid, you know, someone buys it out of curiosity because they see it, but Facebook is pushing it to people who would never see it, never think to buy it, never think about these issues. Yeah, exactly. And it's the, the hooks are there. I mean, and that's why I keep going back to the threads that I've seen with, with just pages and pages and pages of people fighting and arguing with the, you know, ignorant statements that are being made, but it's all triggered. And, and the trigger goes then back and forth because the outrageous statements from whoever's sitting there, you know, arguing with, um, you know, you know, Franklin Graham triggers his supporters to come back on as well. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is like I, I mentioned earlier is why you shouldn't be, necessarily engaging but i will say that like if you like the vast majority of what i'm seeing the engagement that i'm seeing on those is coming from people who support those ideologies and support it and it is a lot of you know comments that are very disparaging and even sometimes on you know good content um people writing disparaging things so brennan for uh, kind of within the philosophy of um you know, it's, it's good to keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Um, you know, it's not like we want to send the right wing off into some secret place that we don't know what they're thinking, what they're talking about, and what they're planning. Um, what, what would be your, if you had all the power, you know, what would be your change with a Facebook or any other social media platform at this point? Yeah, I think... One, um, the information imbalance 
just overall between the right and the left is extremely concerning, whether it comes to Facebook or television or what have you. And so I think to me, the information imbalance of where the right is dominating the conversation is really, is really like a key factor here. I think the thing is that like some of the profit incentives need to be taken away. Like Fox News is getting every single person who has a cable subscription is paying for Fox News. They're paying, you know, cent, you know, they're getting 15 cents or something um, from every one of them and they're getting advertising money. And I think that it needs to be toxified. And I think that Facebook also needs to, you know, feel some kind of responsibility, which I actually don't think that they will. So I think that it's important for there to be some regulation um, regarding hate speech and regarding the way that they're profitizing off of uh, profitizing uh, profiting excuse me off of um, misinformation and bigotry uh, I, I think a lot of people you know will say like oh better hate speech policies and better content moderation or moving posts but I don't think that will solve the problem because there's just such a high volume and it's already so successful I think that we need to get into the DNA of Facebook which is the algorithm and change that DNA so that it's not supporting that and Facebook can definitely do that. Yeah, it's, I, I think that algorithm is dangerous on a lot of levels. I mean, it's the 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 everything we've talked about already here. But it, it also because I remember going into Facebook early on, um, and I know a lot of my um, columns and everything else did super well um, when at that point because Facebook didn't. It wasn't so algorithmized, um, if it was at all. And people had the opportunity to explore things. Today, it's like I feel like you can't explore. It's like you are, you're kind of put in your tunnel. And, um, you know, it's like, and so these things might trigger because they're the antithesis of what you believe and somebody who you know who agrees with you is answering them. But it's like it, it is. It's, it's it's turning into this vicious cycle that is is getting darker and darker. Yeah, and I'd also like to add too, like a lot of this is taking place in groups, um, which might not, you know, the things that are in there might not be getting as much engagement, but they're obviously, like you said, very siloed. People reinforcing it, and those groups, Media Matters just identified, I think, eight hundred and sixty parents you know, right-wing parent groups. And those groups are also dangerous. You know, it might not be that they're getting, you know, 100,000 likes on some post in there, but their post might be organizing a protest, might be organizing a rally, might be getting a bunch of people to show up at a school board meeting and say a bunch of transphobic things or to ask the school to put in, you know, discriminatory policies. And so I think, you know, right. what you said about, about silos makes me think about that too. It's, it's not just that it's pushing people towards information they agree with, but it's pushing them towards communities. And those communities are doing things like planning January 6th and planning you know, attacks on school boards. So it's a, it's a scary problem. And I just have no faith that Facebook is going to act in goodwill to fix it. And I really am hopeful that someday that there is some regulatory action that forces them to do better. Because like I said, it's going to, it's, 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 it's killing trans kids. No, it it totally is. Well, uh, thank you, Brennan, so much for, for joining us today. Thank you for your work. I mean, what you do is so important um, with Media Matters and, um, you know, keeping your finger on the pulse for us and, and keeping us aware of what is going on behind the scenes. That, that is absolutely vital. And um, 
So thank you, thank you, thank you. Is there anything you, you want to say before we have to let you go? Well, no, I really appreciate you having me. And then I guess if you're listening, you can follow me on Twitter at Brennan Sun, which is B-R-E-N-N-A-N-S-U-E-N. And then you can follow Media Matters at M-M-F-A. Um, that way you can keep up with some more of our very depressing research. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I, I don't know how to respond to that. Yeah, it's, it's like, follow Brennan and get depressed. No, <laughs> follow Brennan, get get mad and trigger the algorithm your way and get active and um, let's change this stuff. How about that? Yeah, he's more he's more fun than your racist uncle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Brennan. Uh, we've got to let you go. We we'll we got. Um, uh, Daniel waiting on deck, and uh, we're going to shift gears here. But uh, thank you for joining us today, and uh, whenever you want to come back, you know, we, we'd love to have you. I'd love to be back. Have, have a great day. Take care. Okay. Thanks so much. Thank you. Okay. So that was uh, Brennan's son, at, uh, and he is the LGBTQ Program Director at Media Matters. Um, now we are going to switch from – social media and our um, really irritating aspects of that to the world of theater in Los Angeles. Um, we have on deck uh, Daniel McAvore, and Daniel is, uh, like I said before, a prolific playwright. Um, he is an actor. He's, uh, you know, he's got pretty much has done it all. Um, two of his plays, are being presented at their West Coast premiere. They've never been done out here before. They are The Soldier Dreams and Never Swim Alone, being presented by the Open Fist Theater Company at the Atwar Village Theater. And with that, I'd like to welcome to the show, Daniel. Welcome. Hey. Hi. Hi. Nice to be here. I've, I've done it all. That was a good intro. I've done it all. I've got to, I've got to remember that some, some days. That, yeah. Or maybe that's why I'm so tired, because I've done it all. I've yeah. yeah. I, I, I can imagine you would be exhausted after, after uh, going through that. I know you've been asked this before, but of all the things you do all around the theatrical experience, do you consider yourself an actor who writes his play or the playwright who acts? his work well, or what, what is your, uh, I, when core? I go through customs, I say writer because it seems like that, that seems what I like the thing I was drawn to first. Um, one of the, so writer is kind of what, how I, is how I identify. Uh, but, uh, I do, I do do a lot of, um, solo performance. I, I, I write, I do a lot of, uh, my own writing for myself for solo performance. Uh, so that's, so the multi-character play, like The Soldier Dreams and Emerson Alone, those plays, are um, slightly rarer for me, um, especially in the, lately. So, um, uh, but yes, I think of myself as a, as a writer. And if a performer, probably a solo performer more than, but I have done some acting. I, was, I acted actually in both of those plays originally, um, Emerson Alone right. and Soldier Dreams. Well, Never Swims Alone, you kind of, um, that was a little bit autobiographical, not that any any playwright, you know, there's some part of his soul in every character, but it seemed like there was a, a well, more autobiographical impetus behind Never Swim Alone, no? 
Well, yeah, oddly, to say, if I, you know, you say that that's, that is true, but if you look at the plays, you would, you, you, if you look at Never Someone is a very stylized play, and The Soldier Dreams is a more naturalistic play, so you would assume that The Soldier Dreams would be the one that was more autobiographical, but in fact, it's the, you know, life in the theater is pretty stylized, I guess. So, yeah, it was, Never Someone is a play that is at its heart about competition, and I, I had a very competitive relationship with the with the person who went, who directed that play. And um, so I, I guess I wrote the play in a, in a way to, 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 as a warning <laughs> to him um, <laughs> as he directed it, that, uh, you know, things might go south if we did, if we kept competing as we were, but um, anyway, but I, so, yeah, so there was, there was, it came, but it's like you say, I mean, it's not, not just that, I suppose that, you know, the thing about autobiography is, is it is it about fact or is it about impulse? I think that the for me right. the impulse to a play is always from my life or something some encounter or some um, uh, obsession of mine. Uh, then I'm sort of pretty free and loose with the facts, but the impulse always feels very related to my own life. Yeah, I would love to see, this is me fantasizing here, but I would love to see a film made of you and that director doing the play Never Swim Alone, but have the film be meta with the the whole backstage story and the onstage stories kind of going simultaneously. Um, That's a great idea. that situation sounds so fascinating. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's. A, but you know, it's that, it's that on, you know, a thing, especially a play like Never Small on. I mean, it's that, it's that strange. You know, it's why theater is, why theater continues to exist because it, it's so hard to capture theater on film. Uh, it's, it, I've tried, and it's, I elusive. It's incredible because it is about, it's so much about the. It's so it's sort of easy to it's easy to kind of dismiss a film or walk out of a film and not but with with theater you 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 commit to it in a way that you that you you your experience of it transforms over the course of the time you spend in the room whereas in film you make a decision about it pretty early on and often we don't stick around to for things to transform so there's something about the, the, the sharing that energy live in the room that is not it's not um, it's not replaceable by anything else. It's not, it's, it can't be, nothing else can, there's no facsimile for that. There's no substitute for that. Um, uh, which I get, like I said, I think it, it's why we, theater isn't going anywhere and it's still around. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And, and in fact, I think um, like particularly in like the soldier dreams, you have all the characters um, you kind of unpack and it is, much more in depth than you would see in the film. Like most of those characters would have gotten two seconds to, to let you know what their character was. And, you know, and, and, and you get sort of this two dimensional look where on in theater, where you have the live person and the live actor and, you know, all the words, and that's part of the magic of it. Um, and it yeah. It's all, it's, and there's, there's nuance, right. That we can't, and I think there's also also the, the kind of work. Certainly, the Soldier Dreams is a play that is is I you know it's relation it's a it's about relationship, and and it's um and and part and that and also that relationship is also the relationship between the play, the actors, the characters, and the audience, and the, and the audience is 
on uh, sort of evolving understanding of these people. Right. Again, where you, you would sort of decide, oh, this is a type, or this is, I know, who the, I know this person, I know this type of person, I know this character. And then as, as the thing progresses, you, you have to question your assumptions. Um, uh, and, 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 and certainly, I think, the, I, love, I love when the theater can do that. And that's what certainly I was trying to do with the Soldier Dreams, for sure. Yeah, no, and, and you do it, it, I mean, it's so engaging. The writing, you know, obviously I've, I've not seen the actors here. Uh, I wish I had, uh, but um, I'm just reacting to it from the writing itself, and the writing is just so well done on it. Um, you know, it, it's wonderful. Now, you wrote both these plays about 20 years ago. Um, what are your feelings about presenting them now, and has the world changed and it's receptivity. To it. uh, I I think Never Swim Alone is probably sadly more relevant now even than it was in terms of <laughs> this uh, the, the the idea of I mean it's two businessmen in in a, in, a, in a kind of to the death competition about basically to be me a sort of meaningless competition to be the best you know so it, it that doesn't feel that feels probably um the more we've become so capitalism has become sort of our, our they, they you know uh, I, 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 we, are, we are both capitalist nations um and uh uh the soldier dreams is a play uh that uh that deals with it's 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 set in the time it was written, so it, it's in, it's the '90s, and it's um and it's AIDS. I talk it's, it's a it's a guy who is dying with AIDS. Now, I, and I I don't ever say AIDS in the in the play. The word the the, the term never comes up, uh, but it, it's not it's not I'm not it's not some mystery. That's what it is. Right. Um, but, right. Uh, uh, but it, but it's interesting how people kind of do kind of make it up kind of point of is it or is am i hiding it it's no it was it, it wasn't it was just not the being there then it wasn't it was understood as we didn't need to talk about it and, and we didn't need to get into the epidemiology we 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 knew what was happening and was all it was it was a it was a, a familial social experience that we were having and that was what i was really interested in looking at at the time of the play was were these familial social moments um, around, right. around us. And, and also we were at that time, we, as young people, we were faced with a sort of young privileged um, of North Americans. We were faced with death in a, at a level that we had, where we just weren't prepared for. Um, it was like being in war. Uh, anyway, so how it, how and 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 so I, I guess the play is to some extent now become a period piece. Uh, it isn't. It wouldn't. It doesn't play in the same in the context of today in terms of the the couple wasn't married. They couldn't have been married at that time. There was a certain stress around the about around their relationship in the family that I think would would present itself differently now. I think those stresses still exist. Right. So it it is looking at a. At a, at a at a time that is that we are no longer in, but unfortunately that we have we still I think feel the effects of we call things different things and we 
hide things differently and we present, you, you know, we, we I, but I think that all those issues still exist. They just are, uh, they are just, they, the, the point of view is altered. Right. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I can appreciate that very much. Um, have, what, what is you, what are you working on currently? What is your, your newest production that are in the I, world? I, well, I, 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 this last year, this mad year that we had, I, I went back to school at the University of Toronto and got my MA because why not? That's what we could do. <laughs> um, so I did that. So now I don't know what I, I'm a, now I'm me with an MA. But um, uh, I, uh, I'm working on a. I had a, I, when the pandemic hit, I was just about to tour uh, a new solo called Let's Run Away, which. We, you know, hopefully that will get back up and going. And um, I also have a, a documentary that I'm just finishing now that I've, about the, about the uh, theater process that I use with my solo work and my, and my working partner, Daniel Brooks. Um, so that documentary will be coming to documentary film festivals near you soon. Um, so those are kind of that's where I'm, do you dig into the process of, of playwriting or your process for acting or both? It's a, it's a, it's, well, it's, that, it's the process of solo performance and, and solo creation, but it's also it's, it's, it's looking at a very specific moment in one of those solos and then, and then, and then and, 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 and taking a, a road trip. We, go to, we, go, we actually go to, we go, to, um, uh, we go to San Francisco, we go to Wyoming, we take, we, it's a bit, it's a, it's a, it's a it's a, an interesting little journey uh, into uh, into into uh, a, mo- a moment of a show and its process. Um, uh, so it, 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 I think it's it's a, it's 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 pretty niche. It's 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 for it's for people who know something about who who are interested in the theater. Um, but uh, anyway, that's it's called the work, and that's that's on the way. And you know, I'm always I'm always working on something, writing something. I'm I'm working on a couple of screenplays. I, I write screenplays too. That's something that I do. One of the one of the everything's that I do. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I, I'm I'm on I, I'm always got something. I, I I'm always got a few things in the air. Uh, that that it does not surprise me at all. You could not have done everything you've done without something being constantly in the air. Um, the the relationship you have between the the characters you write and yourself as a performer. Um, do you ever get into a situation where you performed, you've written a character, you performed him on stage, and then um, you see the production with somebody else stepping in? Is there part of you that's going, oh, that's not right, uh, 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 don't, don't, ooh, don't do it that way, or are you able to release uh, and let the the added flavor come in? Yeah, that's a that's a you know that's the wonderful, you know that's the Zen journey of of doing this work is 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 letting go of what you of your expectation or your or what you what you what you think it should be and a, an understanding that. Um, and certainly these it's certainly and these plays are about let people coming to be, own these characters or inhabit these embody these characters um and bringing bring parts of themselves to it uh so um 
it's been great. It's been wonderful when I've had the opportunity and sadly I won't have the opportunity um, to get to LA, but, um, but it has been really, uh, I've been really grateful to have the opportunity to see what other people find in it that I'm not sure I even knew was there uh, because, because they do want people to bring it's, it's I believe that uh, acting, performing starts with the self and, and, and as opposed to, you know, become someone else. It's, that's not how right. I see it. I see you, that you bring your soul. That's, you're, that's, that's, that's what, that's, that's, that, well, that's what it costs the actor to me is that you have to, you know, be prepared to bring yourself and give yourself and, and, and have it this with yourself and, and where you differ, that's where your acting happens is where you're trying to make bridges between your impulses and the impulses of the character that don't match. But um, so, uh, so that's a really long answer to your question, which is yes and no. I do, I do have the impulse to like, no, that's not, wait, I wanted. And then if I, and then I have it once I let go and I, I realize, ah, right. I didn't see that. And now I do. I, I think that's a brilliant answer to that question. So yeah, kudos on that. Um, going back to your writing specifically, one thing I love is, is you have the master of the reveal, you know, in terms of, you know, not everything is thrown out up front and you reveal it to the audience. There's ahas and, you know, that, that kind of reaction is, mm. is made possible. Um, is that conscious or did you just happen to write that way? No, that, that's, that's, that's what, you know, I, I, um, you know, I, I, years ago I had this play on and I was in the audience and um, I, 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 it was being done in a very, in a, in a, in a rural area. And I, and I, I was sitting in the back and there were two couples in front of me. They were on a, what I would call a Flintstone date. So Fred and Barney sat together and Wilma and Betty sat together. And when the play ended, um, uh, Wilma leaned over and looked at Fred and then she turned to Betty and she said, Fred didn't fall asleep. Fred always falls asleep. And so I, I took that on as a kind of like, keep Fred awake. Like how, how do we right. keep Fred awake? And we keep Fred awake by not, not giving him all the information up front. And so, so that you, but now sometimes some Freds just get frustrated because they think, am I missing something? But, but, but the, the good friends, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it are, trust that there's something they, they lean for, they lean in, they lean forward. They're looking for something that is, they know that's there, but it's not being expressed. And so it, it, it's a way for me. It's what interest, that's what I want in, in art, in work is that I is give me something to, that makes me lean into it. Um, I don't want you to explain. I don't want to know everything right up front. And in fact, I don't even know that I want to know everything at the end. Like I don't necessarily need the writer to tell me what they think it's about entirely. I mean, give me some room to live in it too, as a, as a viewer. Um, so, so yeah, that, that's very conscious on my part is, is the idea. And similarly, you know, um, that's very conscious. It's also like, you know, taking a subject like death and, 
being having a light touch with it, that, you know, giving people, bringing humor to a, 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 what would be considered a heavy subject so that it opens people's hearts to it a bit. That, the, that's also very conscious on my part. And, and uh, um, so I do have a, I do have a, there is a, there is a, there's a, 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 a plan. I had to have a, I do have a plan to engage the audiences and to keep them, as I said, to keep Fred awake. <laughs> Let's keep Fred awake. Well, a lot of Freds are being kept awake. Um, any any comments you want to make about this current production? I mean, have have you seen just, how I'm they're so putting it together? Yeah, every, everyone has been so great, and and I and what what I'm understanding about how it's going is going really well. And I, I'm just really I'm really sad that I can't be there because it, you know, if, if of any of any production that I've I've, I know of that's been, that's happened. This is something that I, I can feel how invested everybody is. And um, right. I, I heard it and I, I heard an interview that, that three of the actors did um, uh, a couple of weeks ago on a radio interview. It was just great. And I really loved the way that they represented the play. Um, it was great. It was, I was touched by it. So I, I I'm sad that I, I can't be there, but um, I do hope that um, um, everybody else goes. <laughs> I know, seriously. Yeah, and, and so that everybody else can go, uh, let's give some information. Um, the play is at the Atwater Village Theater, and that is located at 3269 Casitas Avenue in Los Angeles. Um, there's on-site parking, and that's free, and that's really important Los Angeles information. Um, you can call 323-882-6912 or go to www.open org uh, for more information and presumably to get tickets. Um, and that, I think the Never Swims Alone plays through November 21st, and I believe um, Soldier Dreams plays through December. That I'm not positive on, but uh, so you can call that them and, correct to and me. verify that. I think that. that's correct. Yeah. That, sounds, yeah. that sounds correct. Well, uh, Daniel, so great talking to you. I'm thrilled with the plays that are, are out here now. Excited to see much more from you. I, being theater absorbent, um, can't wait to see your documentary. Um, and theater everything absorbent. else that you, okay, you've that's, got that's great. I was, I, I'm going to use that, theater absorbent. Yes. Thank <laughs> yeah. you. It was, it was a, you pleasure, a pleasure talking. Thanks for the time. Uh, thank you so much. And, and um, again, folks, go see... The Soldier Dreams and Never Swims Alone, presented by Open Fist Theater Company at the Atwater Village Theater. Um, and that is pretty much it for us today at Rated LGBT Radio. I do want to give you a little heads up on what is coming in the future weeks. Uh, first of all, if, if you do want to hear more from me this week, check out Garrett Miller's show, Rated G Radio. Um, that uh, show on Monday, um, I was his guest host, and you can hear us yabber on there. Um, also, next week, we have a special guest, and I can't wait. It is Belinda Carlisle, famed from the Go-Go's, famed from the um, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and famed as being the mom of a gay man. Um, can't wait to talk to her. And then we have some, uh, a great uh, veteran uh, military show lined up the week after that. So lots of stuff. Um, be sure to catch us. Um, we 
work hard to get the right step in front of you. Um, I want to thank Brody and the Los Angeles Blade uh, for everything that they do. And you can see a lot of our shows in the Blade, uh, both uh, articles we write after the show, as well as uh, links to the shows themselves. So uh, with that, for all of us at Rated LGBT Radio, we can't wait to talk to you again next week. And until then, uh, have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to Rated LGBT Radio.